On September 22, 2023, the remains of missing mom Suzanne Morphew were found three years after her disappearance. Authorities were conducting an unrelated investigation when they came across her remains approximately a 45-minute drive from the Morphew home. Her husband, Barry Morphew, was the prime suspect in the case. He was arrested a year after her disappearance. He went to trial and was ultimately let off. But he can be tried again if the evidence leads in his direction. But now that her remains have been found, what will that mean for the case? Will she be found with evidence that leads to her killer? Will it still be Barry Morphew? We're going to take a look at where she was found and how the new location fits into the timeline. Also, I'll show you why Barry's lawyer is pointing to the facts, but not addressing where we should be actually looking. So now, let's get into it. Suzanne Morphew was reported missing since Mother's Day 2020. She and her husband, Barry Morphew, were on the outs after 25 years of marriage. She told him in a text earlier that week she's done and could care less what he's been doing and has felt that way for a long time. Many people feel Barry is responsible for Suzanne's disappearance and death, and understandably so. He's been known to be very controlling and abusive and known for whatever Barry wants, Barry gets. But even after Suzanne's disappearance, his behavior wasn't what you would say would be normal given the circumstances. It was odd. It was out of character for a grieving husband. In fact, shortly after Suzanne's disappearance, Barry created a 25-second plea video made for an alleged kidnapper. He orchestrated it himself, though, and did not collaborate with the authorities, which was very interesting. Basically, he made the video one second for every year he was married to her. The video itself was odd. And Barry never helped in the search for Suzanne, but he said he conducted his own search. He didn't go to vigils that were held for her either. Nothing. He got into a relationship also with another woman just two months after Suzanne's disappearance. He changed the theory to a mountain lion from the kidnapper, um, after Suzanne's brother Andy told him that it's impossible, forget about that theory, so he went to the mountain line. He had his phone in airplane mode, an awful lot leading up to Suzanne's disappearance and also the day, what, the day before and the day after. He was also seen on camera making multiple dump runs during an out-of-town work trip, and he changed his clothes basically like he'd go through toilet paper. Authorities have his telematics for his vehicle, though. GPS info was located also on the Bobcat, but interestingly, during the trial, it stopped at a certain date. It was only given for up to the afternoon of May 9th, so right after Suzanne's last proof of life picture. This is important. And it's my understanding that the GPS can be unhooked on the Bobcat. But you know, no mention about that from Bear Bear's lawyer. Also, there's a hit on the bobcat from cadaver dog searches. According to the affidavit, it said Deputy Brown was walking in the driveway when the other deputy, DeFurio, told him that there were barefoot marks inside of the bucket on the bobcat. And Deputy Brown went with him to examine and found that the cutting blade on the bucket of the bobcat appeared to be newly replaced, which we know that happened earlier that day, along with, it says, the nuts and bolts. Now, with the canine search was on May 23rd of 2023, so a couple weeks after Suzanne went missing. And it says on May 23rd, 
The search teams along with canines and canine handlers searched the Puma Path property. During the search, three different canines were used. Each of the three canines were ran blindly and individually during the search on the west of the driveway parking area where a flatbed trailer and bobcat skid steer were parked. All three canines alerted on top of the trailer. It should be noted on the bed of the trailer there is gravel and dirt. This is an area the canines alerted. All three canines again alerted on the bobcat and one of the canines jumped into the bobcat and tried to lay down on the driver's seat. But the machine does not appear, it says, to be connected to the disappearance of Suzanne. Now the CBI found no workable DNA from the bobcat and Suzanne's brother paid for a search and said that cadaver dogs picked up on a scent on a wooded site located only 15 miles from their home. A second search was conducted using two different dogs and they got another hit. Along with these hits on the Morpheus property, it says cadaver dogs made another hit at the riverfront worksite in Salida. In their search, there were multiple alerts from cadaver dogs. However, nothing of evidentiary value was found. And now for the next stuff, Barry also deleted info from his phone from the 5th to the 9th, which is the week leading up to Suzanne's disappearance. So tell me what message does that give to the authorities and the world if he's deleting stuff? including some info of some dirty searches about a miner on his phone. I won't let up in that one. I talked about it in previous videos and it has to do with a 15 year old doing something that, well, a man in his age shouldn't be looking at, let's just say. So now let's talk about where Suzanne was found and the area. Suzanne's remains were found while looking for another woman in an unrelated case. She's a 56-year-old Edna Quintana. She had been hiking with a man she had been seeing on May 3rd of this year, and at one point Edna went back down the mountain, but the boyfriend apparently couldn't find her when he went back to his car. The boyfriend is remaining unnamed as he has not yet been listed as a suspect, and Edna remains missing. I did a live stream recently and there were viewers who said that they lived in the area and mentioned how they were calling the area a dumping ground for bodies and called it a boneyard. And they said it seems to be many bodies who are being located there and it's such a secluded area. Now in July, the body of a 26 year old James Montoya was found who disappeared in April. His remains were also found while investigators searched for Edna. He was said to have taken an Uber to a bar in Lakewood, which is about a three hour drive north from where he was found down in this Moffat area. Now, he apparently met two men and later left with them and his girlfriend reported him missing after he hadn't returned home at dawn. So Suzanne was found 45 miles south of her home in this same area, Sawatch County. It's said to be a 30, 30 to 40 minute drive or 45 minute drive, depending where the Morpheus lived in at the time of Suzanne's disappearance. The nearby town, as I mentioned, is called Moffat. It only has a population of 106 people. And where Suzanne and Barry lived was only, I think it was 135 people, very, very low population. So the question I do have, and perhaps you do too, is, 
Was Suzanne's remains there the whole time? Was she moved from wherever her original location was and shortly after her disappearance? It would be very interesting to learn these details. Let me know what your thoughts are below. And it was reported that the area where Suzanne was found was in a dry desert field of sagebrush and natural grasses just south of Moffat. She had been buried in a shallow grave, and the coroner who was called to the site said her bones had been dispersed over the years and showed evidence of animal activity. And it was said that the disbursement of her remains was said to have been approximately 75 yard radius. Now her remains were skeletonized, which is understandable, it's been three years, meaning there was no soft tissue. An autopsy was conducted and her remains were identified through dental records and her cancer port. And I didn't know she had that, but it makes sense because she was going through a chemotherapy and and it's a, a chemo port is a small implantable reservoir with a thin silicone tube that attaches to a vein in the chest, arm, or abdomen. And the main advantage of this vein access device is that chemotherapy medications can be delivered directly into the port rather than a vein, eliminating the need for needles. Ports can be used to draw blood and deliver other IV medications a patient may need during the treatment. So now Joseph Scott Morgan, who's a death investigator expert and has a podcast called Body Bags by jo Joseph Scott Morgan. We've heard from him a lot. He made the following points about where and how Suzanne was found. He said it was not suicide. She was buried by another person. She did not bike there. Her bike was found not far from her home, remember? And side note, there's no evidence she even went on a bike ride. He said that she was buried in a shallow grave with the key word being shallow, and he says that means it's rushed. Now let's talk about this for a minute. We'll get into the timeline in a minute, but what if she was moved? What if that's why it was kind of half-assed shallow grave because her remains were meant to be found or the killer didn't care anymore at this point and just, you know, chucked her? Just another piece of being mad at her, in my opinion. It's kind of like there, just like Shanann Watts, you know, in the Chris Watts case where there's no respect for his pregnant wife, just a shallow grave. There you go. It was cold, though, in that May of 2020. They had a cold spell during that time. And so the ground would be, uh, be I guess, harder. Now, at one point, Barry talked about a mountain lion. He changed from his abduction theory and when he was talking on camera with Tyson Draper, who's a guy and YouTuber who secretly filmed Barry, and that video was a very important piece in the investigation, in my opinion, Barry talks about the cat dragging their prey. And if I remember correctly, I'll see if I can find it and add this here. He makes a scattering type movement. I, I can't remember if that was the bike or if it was actually the mountain lion. I'm going to have to double check that. But I remember him talking about, you know, just taking it and the cat up the hill. And um, it's interesting because Suzanne was found dispersed everywhere. Now, the cause of death, they said, would be difficult to determine depending on how complete the skeletal remains are or if there's any pieces that are missing if there will be visible tool marks on the bones, etc. Now remember, back in the Daybell case, they were able to find tool marks on Tylee, even though she was dismembered. They found um, marks on, I believe it was her hip bones. So we'll see what happens with Suzanne, if there's going to be anything in that. We can talk, we're, we'll talk a little bit about the, trank, um, the tranquilizer dart in a minute, but 
uh, it'd be interesting to see because Barry actually changed his bobcat blade that day and I'm curious about that what that's all about if that's going to end up being um, part of uh, of maybe some evidence or part of the um, equation I guess you could say. Now Joseph says because there is no soft tissue to analyze cause of death may be difficult to determine. Cheryl McCollum who is a crime analyst, college professor, author and founder and director of the nonprofit Cold Case Investigative Research Institute said that's a lot to say. We also heard her from her on Nancy Grace. She made the following points about where and how Suzanne was found. She said, the ground is hard where she was found. It is rough terrain. It would take a long time to dig a decent grave to conceal someone. And she said a half a day likely. And remember, I said it was cold out. So the questions that came up was what clothes did they find? Was Suzanne wearing the bathing suit that she was last seen in on her selfie on that Saturday afternoon? Was she in pajamas? Because Barry said that, you know, he left in the morning and she was sleeping peacefully or however he said it. This would give a timeline of when she was killed and indicate if Barry made false statements, although Barry did make false statements numerous times. And Cheryl asked, was she shot, stabbed, bound or ropes by or by anything? It's interesting because we know that Barry was saying that he was chasing chipmunks around the house and it was the time that she was uh, at the house and there was evidence and pings of, you know, going all over the place you can see on this picture. He ends up saying that when he's bored, he just likes to chase chipmunks. Now, if we talk about a little bit of evidence with Barry, I might do a separate video on this, but Barry has some notable pieces of evidence that doesn't make him look like a stellar husband who didn't murder his wife. There were scratches on Barry's hands and upper arms. Barry was interviewed and photographed three days after Suzanne vanished. The cuts were described as barely healed cuts and fingernail marks on his left upper arm. Barry said that those were from a tree while he was searching for Suzanne. Wonder if it was the sagebrush. There was a tranquilizer dart found in the dryer and in trial it was suggested that Barry tranked Suzanne and during the investigation an empty trank dart was found in the dryer of their house along with uh, khaki shorts in the dryer and on surveillance Barry was wearing a pair of khaki shorts on May 9th which was the day of Suzanne's last proof of life. Barry said that the darts are used to tranquilize deer so he can cut off their antlers but antlers weren't found in the home. Also there were pings that showed Barry moving as I said all over the house just as he arrived home the afternoon of the 9th, authorities believe that he was chasing Suzanne around the house and Barry said he was chasing these chipmunks because that's what he just does, he says, when he's bored. Authorities also found a bullet by the bed. There was a 22 caliber round found on the floor of their bedroom next to Suzanne's side of the bed and Barry owns a 22 caliber pistol which he says he uses to shoot chipmunks. Their bedroom door was also damaged and the door had cracks and authorities contacted former homeowners who said that there wasn't any damage to the door when they sold the house to the Morphews. And according to authorities, it was said that the door appeared to have been busted down. It, now, it could be from before, we could argue that, but it also could be that weekend, right? Now, there's missing 15 minutes. On the morning of May 10th, 
Data from Barry's truck shows the door was open seven times between 3.25 a.m. and 3.49 a.m. And at 5 a.m., the truck left the Morphew home and was picked up on camera in Pontius Springs at 5.14 a.m. as he drove to Broomfield for a job. But Barry admitted in an interview he first made a detour that took him close to the remote uh, Garfield mine after allegedly seeing a herd of elk. So to go to Broomfield, it's this way to the right, and he went west. Police believe he was doing something else. Notable, that's in the area where Suzanne's helmet was found, the bike helmet. And there were a bunch of discrepancies with Barry's statements and the authorities. And you can go through that in the affidavit. And he also said a lot I don't recall, conveniently. And about the elk horns, I don't know why they say horns and not antlers, but anyways, uh, they said about the horns that Barry was saying he thought he saw an elk and wanted to see their horns, but according to the authorities at that time in May, they don't grow that until much later. And the deleted text, I also mentioned already, there was a ton of deleted texts and he, Barry going, uh, basically putting his phone a lot in airplane mode. Now he also had debris and remnants in the fireplace of burned documents and books. Suzanne always kept a Bible and journal, it was said by her bed, but authorities found the Bible but didn't find the journal. And there were numerous trash runs. Barry was repeatedly caught stopping as he made his way to Broomfield to dispose of trash, including at a McDonald's and a dumpster outside of a men's warehouse where he purchased a new outfit. He had claimed to be tidying up his truck and throwing some stuff out, but when he arrived back at the home, at his home on May 10th, the police said his truck was still filled with clutter and bits of trash and showed photos to prove it. And that's where we did see Barry doing, you know, a little bit of a Crimea River kind of thing. It, it wasn't authentic in my opinion. And don't forget that there was also reports of a smelly hotel room that smelled like bleach. Barry had that job in Broomfield he had to do, and it was originally on May 11th, but then all of a sudden he changed it to, you know, May 10th. He brought some workers with them, and basically they went in and they said, holy moly, it completely stunk like bleach, and there were some weird things going on. That was by Morgan Gentile and Jeffrey Puckett, who is now deceased, and they said it reeked and the room was littered with towels. Now, let's get to the timeline leading up to the day of her last proof of life. So, things were escalating with Suzanne and Barry, and their marriage was breaking down based on their texts back and forth, the fact that Barry was deleting those texts, and Suzanne found comfort in the arms of another man. Suzanne's last proof of life was a picture of her sunbathing at her house, and it was sent to her lover. After that, everything went dark. Now, there's three chunks of time in the timeline. From the afternoon on Saturday when Barry put his phone into airplane mode until 10.17 that night, and from 10.17 until 3.25 a.m., which goes into the 10th in the early morning hours, and then from 3.25, those couple hours, and then he went to Broomfield. Now, at 2.44 p.m., he arrived home, ran around the house, remember the chipmunks, 2.46 p.m., there was a text from Suzanne's lover, Jeff, 2.47 p.m., the phone went into airplane mode. But Barry says at 5 or 6 p.m., he grilled, he ate some dinner, he went to bed, and he made love to Suzanne. He says, I always fall asleep right away because I'm dead tired from work. Surely she stayed up, he says, but I don't know. I, I don't know if she stayed up or went somewhere and texted or did something. Special Agent Grusing asked, 
where they had sex and Barry answered in the bed in the master bedroom. What was interesting, it said that May 9th to 10th of 2020, approximately 210 locations for Barry's phone registered near the Morphew residence compared to zero to two locations on previous nights from May 1st through May 8th. At 4 to 5.30 p.m., he went to Salida Stove and Spa, which coincides with a missing odometer that they were talking about before. We'll see what happens now. At 8 p.m., Barry says he goes to bed. At 9.52 p.m., Barry's truck was put in reverse and moved 96 feet. The doors were opening to the truck, including the passenger side, until 9.52 p.m. And at 10.17 p.m., Airplane mode is off. Now there's a discrepancy. I found it. This drove me nuts. It's taken me two weeks for this freaking video. Basically on one in the affidavit, it's saying that his phone was off from 2.47 until 10.17 p.m. And then it was airplane mode off. But I found, and you can see it in this screenshot as I'm showing right now, at 10.17 p.m., his phone went to airplane mode and was in airplane mode until 4 30 a.m. So it was in airplane mode and in trial it was asked by prosecution if that's enough time to dispose of a body and agent Grusing says it is. So why would you be in airplane mode anyway all night unless he doesn't want to share a location? Know what I'm saying? Now special agent Grusing said that Barry took it out of airplane mode at 10 17 p.m. and Barry asked that night and Grusing says yes that night. Barry says, or she did. And Grusing asked, she brought your your she brought yours out of airplane mode? And Barry said, yeah. Grusing said that would be odd because Suzanne's phone had no activity. And Barry lied, saying, Yeah, I just don't recall taking it out of airplane mode. So at 325 a.m. to 348 a.m. now his Ford F-350 registered zero miles per hour with GPS at the Morphew home as doors were opening and closing multiple times and it was said over 80 events involving this F-350 during the time frame. Barry's lawyer is disputing that. I don't have the details here but she's disputing it. Now at 356 a.m. the phone display came on and his device was unlocked. At 359 Barry's phone pinged near where Suzanne's bike was found, which is interesting, right? But the defense claimed that that's possible static drift interfered, might not be it, it might be a nothing burger. This is when the GPS moves when the phone isn't actually moving, is what the drifting's called. At 4.23 a.m., Suzanne's phone last registered with a tower near the Morphew residence. At 4.30 a.m., that's when the elk sighting occurred. He told the authorities that he set his alarm at 4.30 a.m., but there was a discrepancy again. Coincidentally, and I don't believe in coincidences, that's the area where Suzanne's bike helmet was found. And at 4.32 a.m., the phone was powered on. And this is where it's like, well, when was it powered off? So this has been very frustrating to find. At 5.14 a.m., Barry's truck was picked up on camera at Poncha Springs. And at 8.14 a.m., he was in Broomfield, three hours away. Now, also, there's apparently... 14 miles it's, that's been talked about and in recent new information of a Burla report of Barry's truck GPS. So it places Barry's truck around 14 miles from the area where Suzanne's body was found. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. 
Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. And it was on the 10th of May, but the time is not known to the public. So this is very interesting how this is going to play out. And Barry also put his phone in airplane mode after coming back from Broomfield. So this is going to be interesting what time this ends up being, what they're starting to figure out uh, in terms of where the heck Barry was and what he was doing there. This should be interesting because the chipmunks were used already. There was a turkey he was looking for on the 9th uh, earlier in that day around lunchtime. He was looking for a turkey and then there's an elk and there's a mountain lion and, you know, uh, bears and whatever else. And it's seriously like Dr. Doolittle. But Barry's lawyer is adamant about his innocence. And she made a statement that says, Barry's with his daughters and they are all struggling with immense shock and grief after learning today that their mother and wife, whom they deeply love, was found deceased. They had faith that their wife and mom would walk back into their lives again which is not true because they made statements about that before. Anyway, the news is heartbreaking. Neither the DA nor the authorities notified Mallory and Macy Morphew about the recovery of their mom. They contacted Barry as next of kin. She says, from what we know, Barry is as innocent as he was from day one. DA Stanley and law enforcement got it wrong. Now I'll admit, the trial was a mess. It was a complete mess. The prosecution got sanctioned. There was all kinds of crap going on. I agree it was a bit of a mess. And we also saw Bear Bear's lawyer likes to give kisses to her clients, I guess. She says, we hope the authorities will quickly admit their wrongful persecution of Barry, an innocent man, to treat the Morphews like the victims they are and charge the persons responsible for Suzanne's killing. The Morphews would appreciate their privacy during this deeply emotional and personal time. Now, I don't know if anybody's seen or heard about Barry since. Let me know in the comments below. She also says the first and most important focus should be that the Morphews just learned that they lost their beautiful mother and wife after she disappeared three and a half years ago. What appears to be the overriding focus is a finger pointing right back where it started three and a half years ago. A movement to blindly reaccuse re Barry for Suzanne's death. Here are the facts, she says. According to the authorities, Suzanne Morphew was not found anywhere in the vicinity of her home. The town nearby or the county she lived in. She was found in Moffat, Colorado. Moffat is 45 miles south and is a 45 minute drive away from the Morphew home located in Maysville, Colorado. According to authorities who found Suzanne, her remains were found in a shallow grave in a dry desert field of sagebrush and natural grasses. Contrary to prior accusations, her remains were not found in a rocky mountainous region near her home, not in a location that was a difficult spot to get to, or near the home and impossible to get to due to being in a mine or under frozen tundra and buried under six feet of snow. She says, Barry was the most scrutinized, dissected, surveilled individual minute by minute, hour by hour, using law enforcement cameras posted by his home, phone taps, and GPS devices placed on his car, all during the time frame of her disappearance and the years following. At no time did the FBI, CBI, Chafee County Sheriff's Office, or DA's office pinpoint or even generally claim that Barry was in the area south of his home, near Moffat, or anywhere near Sawatch County at any relevant 
time frame. It would be ludicrous, she says, for anyone to now try to fit the now known facts to prior false assumptions and accusations. It was the Sawatch County officials who fortunately stumbled onto Suzanne's remains last week while looking for another missing woman, Edna Quintana. Law enforcement officials that were supposedly looking for Suzanne were never looking for Suzanne in the Moffat area or area south of Maysville because they only focused in on Barry being the suspect and they knew Barry was not south of Maysville and certainly not 45 miles south except maybe now it's coming out. The authorities focused their search for Suzanne in the area near the Morphew home utilizing his phone and car forensics. The authorities pointed to the locations where Barry was May 9th and 10th. Barry was in Salida north of his home or in or near his home and then on May 10th 2020 at 5 a.m. drove to Broomfield, Colorado, a city 156 miles north of Maysville. He was never south of the house, and that is why they did not search the area. CFBI's map relied upon by the authorities about Barry's whereabouts on May 9th and 10th, 2020. The Morphew home, Barry's truck, Suzanne's, and daughter's vehicles were immediately searched for evidence of human remains and Suzanne's blood using both forensics and dog sniff searches. There was no forensic evidence of Suzanne's deceased body or blood in any of the vehicles. Notice though, no verbiage about the Bobcat, which has missing info, and there's speculation and chitter chatter that he unhooked the GPS from Bobcat and possibly his truck. She goes on to say, what needs to be done instead of pointing fingers at Barry Morphew is asking the officials about the number of missing people and the number of human remains that have been recovered in or from Sawatch County in the recent past. Whatever happened to Crystal Reisinger, hopefully I said that right, Edna Quintana, Suzanne, the man whose remains were found by Sawatch County Sheriff's Office in the foothills on July 26th, or the remains of the person found in another area in Sawatch County last weekend. What were the circumstances of their disappearance? What is the cause and manner of death of the remains found in the area? What happened to them? And are they looking for other remains in the area? The public should demand answers about these five people who suspiciously went missing or were found dead in this area. The Morphew family and legal team believe that CBI local law enforcement and the local DA's office have a conflict of interest and should not be involved in the future investigation of Suzanne's death. An objective and unbiased examination of Suzanne's death can only be conducted by an outside and independent team of investigators. When law enforcement focuses in on one person and refuses to review evidence objectively and fairly, it is a disservice to the community and creates exactly what has come to light, years of unsolved murders. Suzanne's sister Melinda made a statement, said the Mormon family would like to thank all involved for the discovery of our sister Suzanne. Over the last three years, countless hours have been spent looking for Suzanne by a determined group who have never given up hope that she would be found. The memories of her gentle spirit and wonderful smile have been a constant presence since her disappearance to all who knew and loved her. We want to thank Chafee County Sheriff John Speezy, his staff, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, and the hundreds of volunteers who never gave up. Fate may have played a key role in finding her, but it does not negate the resolute commitment of all those involved. We would also like to thank the citizens of Chafee County who have been subjected to this unimaginable sage for their support and prayers. We look forward to finding long-awaited justice 
for Suzanne in the successful prosecutions of those involved in her disappearance. She says, my heart continues to feel a quiet relief and peace with the settled knowing that my beautiful sister Suzanne Morphew was recently found on Friday, September 22nd. Although there were only her skeletal remains left in the dry prairie grass of Sawatch County, I am grateful for the closure for which I have prayed since May of 2020. Only those who have walked this journey of loss can truly understand the ambiguous loss of this tragedy. Today, I choose to turn my thoughts and heart to the family of Edna Quintana, whose search was the catalyst for my miracle. Suzanne being found, I am asking the same loving social media community who kept Suzanne alive to now turn their heart of care to the family of Edna Quintana, their time of need. They wait in the anguish of uncertainty for the discovery of their beloved Edna. Please take a few moments each day and do what you can to keep Edna's story alive. Pray for those in authority. Pray for Edna's return. Thank you for all who believe that Suzanne would someday be found. We are forever grateful. Now it's Edna who needs your thoughts and prayers. Keep her alive in the social media world. Don't forget Edna Quintana. She needs you. May the God of all mercy grant a miracle for the Quintana family in the discovery and safe return of their beloved Edna back to her family. As I said, Barry's lawyer isn't accounting for the bobcat in her statements. Even though three canines hit on that bobcat, that's not accounted for. The bobcat was carried by Barry like a blankie from the start of the investigation. He carried that thing everywhere on his on his trailer. Uh, the Bobcat doesn't have any information after the ninth that we, we can see, which is important. What happened with that Bobcat? What was Barry doing at 3 a.m. with the door opening and closing? It's pretty interesting how he's gonna answer that because he lied about that in the affidavit and the interviews. I have two playlists on the case. Check it out right here. You can see the Barry Morphew Connecting the Dots series and right here, the entire Suzanne Morphew playlist. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you in the next video.